listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm Pastor Jason, if you don't know, and once again, welcome um, to the Mission. Uh, Man, JP... There was no way JP knew that what he was going to share, I actually have in my message. So that, those, are, those are cool God things that happen um, when you're in a community who's seeking the face of the Lord together. And I just love that. And I, I love that, uh, you know, JP pr- prays in Spanish and we sing in Spanish sometimes because we are a multicultural multi-generational church, which means we don't cater directly to one age range. We don't cater directly to one uh, culture. We believe that God's kingdom is a, is, a, is, is a celebration of every race. You know, there's, there's every, every revelation says that every tribe and tongue will, will be there in heaven worshiping Jesus. And, and so, uh, man, Love it, love it. Well, we this week I had the honor um, of speaking at my son's middle school chapel service, and uh, he he goes to RCS, which is a awesome school, and and uh, I got to hang out with the the principal, Mr. Spear, a bit, and and, and just chat, and uh, uh, it was extra awesome listening to the kids um, singing worship songs in school. Like, where do you get to hear that? You know, like, it was just super cool, and and uh, I had already made up my mind that I wasn't going to point out my son, Dylan, at school uh, because I didn't want to embarrass him, right? But... Um, I made this decision as we pulled into the school, and he got out of the car and darted inside the school without me, right? Like, that's when I made that decision, like, okay, he didn't even say bye. He was just like, I put it in park, and he was gone, right? And, and uh, I was just like, okay, well, maybe uh, I shouldn't point him out. I was going to say, Dylan, I love you. Say love you back. But... I didn't, right? Um, but Mr. Spear ended up actually pointing Dylan out to the whole school anyways and making him wave, so vengeance, right? Uh, justice, right? But if I'm really honest, middle school kids are a tough crowd. Anybody have any familiarity with that, right? The biggest laugh I got was when, and it was 8 a.m. in the morning too, so I, so I, I told them, I was like, Y'all look sleepy. I think you guys need some coffee. And that was the biggest response I got out of the whole thing. They were like, yeah, like, um, let's all go right now, you know, basically. And I was just like, whoa, all right, well. Afterwards, I spent some time thinking about it. It went well, and the kids were awesome, and I had such a great time. Um, uh, But afterwards, I spent some time thinking about middle school and how that's kind of just like a a rough age. Like, I have a kid in sixth grade, and and I just kind of see him, you know, starting to change and make those life changes and, and attitude changes and all that, you know. And, and I started to think about when I was in middle school, and uh, I thought about the middle school version of me, what, what that 
kid thought the adult version of me was gonna be like, right? And uh, <laughs> that was early, James. That was early, but okay. That was early. Hold the rest of them back, okay? <laughs> Uh, when I was in middle school in Columbus, Ohio, I had a crystal clear vision of who I was going to be when I grew up. Like, I'm, th- I'm talking like sixth grade, like 12 years old, like my, like my son is now. I just knew when I was older, when I was an adult, and I'm turning 40 this month, believe it or not. Ouch, right? And um, I don't care. My beard's gray. I got nothing to prove. Like, um, I'm married. My wife is hot. I'm, I'm, I'm good. But uh, did I just say that out? Sorry. Um, <laughs> filter. Start working. Um, uh, but I, I knew for certain that when I was older, I was definitely going to be an NBA basketball player for the Chicago Bulls with a shoe deal, for sure right? Like, like my hero, Michael Jordan, when I was young. Um, I also knew that I would be riding around town on my hoverboard, right? Um, and not those boards with wheels that they call hoverboard. That is not a hoverboard, right? Like that, it, it, there has to be floating involved in hovering, right? Like, and, and, and like, you know, when I wasn't on my hoverboard, I would obviously be driving around town in my 5.0 Mustang with the convertible, you know, just like, like vanilla ice, right? And um, I would be, uh, the, the middle school version of me thought I was going to marry um, Cindy Crawford, right? And, uh, and at the wedding, I would wear a red leather tuxedo, Right? <laughs> That was the middle school version of me. That's what I thought adult Jason was going to look like, all those things, right? And uh, yeah, so yeah, I found out years later that none of that stuff was actually going to happen, right? I found out that to be a professional basketball player, you actually have to be good at basketball, right? Like, much less be Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time, right? Um... I found out also, it, I mean, it turns out that hoverboards aren't actually a thing. Like there was a hoax a while back, but I guess like it's not really a thing. Um, and then it turns out, you know, the adult me thinks probably the 5.0 Mustang from the 90s is probably the ugliest <laughs> Mustang there ever was. And, and Vanilla Ice totally lied to all of us when, when he acted like it was cool. And uh, I, I did not, in fact, marry Cindy Crawford, right? Um, I married somebody way better and m- way more beautiful, right? And despite the fact that I actually found Kim and she's the perfect woman in every way and she, she would not allow me to wear a red leather tuxedo to our wedding. She just wouldn't. Things don't always turn out the way we expect them to, right? Like, sometimes we have this picture in our head of the way things are going to go. Like, like, I'm just giving you this silly example, but there are tons of 
examples in our day-to-day life where we have this picture in our mind of how something is going to play out, of the way it's going to go, and almost never do they go exactly according to the picture that we have in our head, right? If ever, right? And I have to think that to a certain degree, what the disciples felt when Jesus told them he was going away was they felt like their picture of what happened had gotten crushed. Like their picture of of what happens next was was destroyed. And so they they felt uncertain. They felt anxious, you know. Um, And Jesus continued to tell them time and time again about that he was going away, you know, uh, but they, they didn't really get it. They held on to the belief that at some point, right, Jesus would become a king like the other kings they had known, right? Um, that Jesus would defeat his enemies and establish his kingdom on the earth as others and as other kings had. And, and, and part of that did happen. He defeated his enemies, which we'll get into over the, over the next few weeks. Uh, and the other part of him establishing his kingdom on the earth, it is still to come and it will come. I promise you, I believe it. But, n- but nothing about the way Jesus received his crown happened the way the disciples thought it would, right? It did not go according to the picture that they had in their head, right? And that's a tough place to be. When all along you thought you knew how the story was gonna go and all of a sudden you're in the middle of it and it's, and it's not like you thought at all, right? It's not like you thought at all. But Jesus kept nothing secret. He talked openly with his disciples about his being raised up, right? His being raised up and going to be with his father. But they just didn't receive it because they had this picture in their head of how things would go. One disciple in particularly uh, struggled with this. Peter, right? Peter struggled with this. Peter was always letting his emotions get the better of him, and Jesus was always having to course correct Peter, in a lot of ways, I feel like Peter. I resonate with Peter. You know, as much as I don't want to, I feel that way. You know, like I feel like I sometimes let my emotions get the better of me, and Jesus has to course correct me, right? And uh, even right after Peter professed Jesus to be the Messiah, right? In, in Matthew 16, uh, um, this is, the, this is the first time someone has called him the son of God. I believe you are the son of God, Peter says. And, and Jesus is so proud. He says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But what's funny is immediately following this, Jesus begins to predict that he will be killed by the Jewish religious leaders and raised again in three days. And Peter has just been told that he's the rock, right? He's the rock that Jesus is gonna build his church on and he does not want Jesus to die. 
So in true Peter fashion, he has an outburst, right? How many of you have outbursts at God sometimes? Like, ah, just do what I want you to do. Don't do that. Um, So in true Peter-like fashion, he has an outburst, right? The Bible says Peter begins to rebuke Jesus, right? Uh, Matthew 16, 22, far be it from you, Lord, he says. This shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The very next thing Jesus says to his disciples in verse 24 is the verse JP just read. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, right? During one of the last tender moments that they had together, Jesus is trying again to explain to his disciples that where he is going, they cannot come, right? It seems to finally begin to sink in, and I, and I believe out of what was ultimately a deep fear of the unknown, Peter tries again to sway Jesus to stay and fight But as Jesus has said many times, he's on another path, right? So John 13, 36 through eight says this. Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. That means before morning, Jesus is saying, Peter will deny Jesus three times, right? Today, we're going to spend most of our time together in John 18, and as uh, Dr. Strange puts it in the new Avengers trailer, we're in the end game now, right? We're in the end game now. <laughs> Jesus has washed his disciples' feet. They have finished the Last Supper. And following its conclusion, Jesus prays this profound prayer known as the high priestly prayer that Ricardo took us through last week. Thank you, Ricardo. But now the time has come where the path to all that Jesus has predicted will begin to present itself. The disciples and Jesus have to choose how to respond with their actions, right? They have to choose how to respond. The journey to the cross begins here. And John 18 is interesting because we see two very different responses to what God has called Jesus to do. Let's read the account in uh, John 18, beginning at verse one. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook, Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. 
Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have not lost one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. So I, I feel like this, is really, this, this passage is really interesting because Jesus knows that the time to walk the way of the cross is at hand. So what does he, how, how does he respond? How does he respond? By going to a place where Judas would know where to find him. Right? He didn't go into hiding. He went to a known location where he would be easy to find. I think sometimes when God's destiny for our life is different than we think it should be, it's tempting to go into hiding. It's tempting to run away from it, but that's not what Jesus did. He turned and faced the path, the cup that the Father was asking him to drink, right? He turned and faced it. And in verse three, it says, Judas and his soldiers came with lanterns and torches, which I think is it, John includes because he loves to point out irony, right? He just, if you read John looking for it, irony is all over the place. And, and Judas was a disciple of Jesus and now is completely betraying him, right? Judas sat under the teachings of Jesus, the light of the world, right? The light that would cast out all darkness, but now he comes for him with lanterns and torches and weapons and soldiers. But Jesus isn't hiding. He's in complete submission to the Father's will for his life. Jesus knew that all of this was to happen because of his intimate relationship with the Father. Before Judas and the soldiers could even address Jesus, he asks them, who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, they reply. Jesus responds, I am he. 
And something about the way Jesus responds causes the soldiers to hit the ground in fear, right? Some scholars believe that when Jesus said, I am he, it was a call back to when God told Moses his name was I am from the burning bush. We don't know for sure what happened, but something about Jesus' response caused these men who were soldiers, they were fighters, to hit the ground in fear. Jesus asked again, because you can see we're, we're not getting anywhere this way, right? Jesus asked again, and their reply was the same, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I told you. I am he. In complete control of the situation, Jesus says to them, if you've come for me, let these men go. He says this because remember, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? He's the good shepherd. He lays down his life willingly for his sheep. Nothing is happening here that Jesus isn't initiating. Jesus is responding to his destiny with active submission to the Father's will, right? There's a difference between passive submission and active submission, right? One seeks God's will and then waits for it to happen to them. Passive submission seeks God's will and waits for it to happen to them. The other seeks God's will and starts moving in that direction. That's active submission, right? Jesus is actively moving in the direction of God's will for his life because he is confident that even though this road to the cross will be excruciatingly painful, God is sovereign in his life. Sovereign is one of those churchy words that sometimes we don't always define when we should, right? And so sovereign, I want to throw the definition up there. Sovereign means supreme, absolute, unlimited, unrestricted, unrestrained, unbounded, boundless, infinite, ultimate, total. Jesus knows deep in his bones, that God is the absolute authority over his life. And he makes his choices in active submission to God's sovereignty, right? Peter, on the other hand, takes matters into his own hands by acting out of fear, right? Out of fear. As the men moved towards Jesus, Peter drew his sword and cut off the servant of the high priest's ear, I mean, the Bible is packed with action if you look for it, right? There's blood and stuff like, oh. Right. Yeah. It was likely a Roman short sword, not meant for slicing, which means Peter wasn't actually, which means Peter was actually trying to kill the guy and was just really bad at it, right? Just as he did in the other moments with Peter, Jesus reacts strongly and says, put your sword in its sheath. 
I always want to read that with an English accent for something. Put your sword in your sheath. Shut. No? Not English? Governor? Put your sword in your sheath, governor. No, Jesus says put your, to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not walk this path even though it's the Father's will? Right? Jesus is giving everything he has in active submission to the Father. And Peter keeps trying to sway him away from that for selfish reasons. Peter doesn't... Peter wants to protect Jesus, but Jesus so far has been in complete control of everything that's going on. And he wants it that way because that is the cup, as he puts it, that the Father gave him to drink. After this, Jesus is bound and taken by the soldiers to the Jewish religious leaders. So picking back up in in verse 15 of chapter 18, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. Let's pause right there for just a second. So we have Peter and another disciple following the the bound Jesus, being taken to the Jewish religious leaders. The other disciple, we don't know for sure, but it's probably John, the author of this text. Um, And we don't, we don't know for sure, but it's probably John. And, and what's, what's strange to me about this account that I don't know how many times I've noticed, I, I've read this account and not really taken in what's happening here. But, but Jesus goes in to, they take Jesus into the high priest's courtyard and one of his disciples go, goes with him because he's known, right? John supposedly goes in the courtyard with the high priest and the bound Jesus, but Peter stays on the outside. So why would Peter fear going in there if John is in there? John later comes out and brings him in, but why would Peter have hesitation about that if John is already in there? I got to think it's because of what he did in the garden with the sword out of fear. It's not, it's not so much to do with 
being associated with Jesus as his behavior in the garden where he acted in fear and anger and in selfish desires, right? And so the servant girl comes to the door, right? And you are also not one of these man's, this man's disciples, are you? The question reads like in, like in almost like because a lot of us know what comes next, it, it, it almost reads that she's trying to find him out so she can throw him into the fire as well. It almost reads like that, but it's not necessarily a malice-filled accusation because, again, John is already in the house, a disciple of Jesus that is known to the high priest, right? He said, I'm not. He denied Jesus. Not because of where they were, but because of what he had done in fear and in rebellion to God's plan for Jesus, right? Let's move on. Skipping a few verses, going to 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. That's two. That's two. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. That's number three. And at once, a rooster crowed. See, Peter is denying, I, I believe Peter is denying out of fear of what he has done. Jesus continues to walk the path steadily and with a single focus of what God has asked him to do. And we have all these instances of Peter acting out of emotion, trying to sway Jesus off of it selfishly. And here we are in this pit that had, Peter continues further to spiral down, down, down because he reacted out of fear. Right? And Jesus... Jesus knew it. Jesus predicted it. Jesus has this really interesting conversation with Pilate, who's a Roman uh, official, and the, ultimately the relig Jewish religious leaders hand him over to Pilate to try to get the Romans to execute Jesus for them, and we're going to get more into that next week. But he has this really interesting conversation with Pilate, and uh, in verse 33, Pilate is trying to determine whether Jesus, because the Jewish religious leaders have called him uh, a man who says he's king of the Jews, right? 
Pilate is trying to determine whether he is any threat to Caesar, right? A man who uh, was the emperor of Rome and claimed himself to be a deity, right? And, And so Pilate's trying to figure out if Jesus is a threat. And so he he says this, so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say this about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Like he says that sarcastically. Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus is in active submission to God's sovereign authority over his life, right? Jesus, I think it's really interesting that he uses that word fighting and Peter was the one who was acting in violence, right? And we can see how Peter spiraled. He spiraled further and further into fear, the point where he denied the one he said he would give his life for. Right? When I was in middle school, I had, like, I had no idea how my life would really turn out. Like, I jokingly said all that stuff earlier in the message, you know, and, and those were thoughts that I had, but really I didn't have any for sure idea how my life would turn out. But not in a million years did I ever, ever, or anyone who ever knew me thought I would become a leader of a church. No one saw that. I'm telling you, not even my mom. Like, she was like, really? You? I mean, I barely made it through high school, like barely, right? I I went to one semester of community college and I slept in my car most of the time. Like not joking, I really did. Like, and, and, and there's an infinite list of reasons why I should not be a pastor of a church, right? There, there's just, I, I mean, I have dyslexia. I don't, you know, I have a fear of speaking, like, I have anxiety and depression, like I deal with these things on a daily basis, right? I wasn't even truly saved until I was 18, right? I I wasn't truly, like I went to church with my mom because she made me, but I didn't believe any of it. All I could see was the hypocrisy of the church. But But when I met Jesus, at 18, and I look back on my life and the times that I responded to God, the way he was, when I responded to the way God was moving in my life with active submission instead of fear, 
Those are the times I truly see God's will for me taking ground in my life. The difference between Peter and Jesus is that Jesus knew what was going to happen all along. He did. Peter didn't want to accept the Father's will for Jesus, and, and that fear led him to act he acted out of fear rather than faith, right? Then things, when things don't turn out the way we want them to, it's really easy to respond in fear. That's a lot of our knee-jerk reaction. When things are, aren't the way we think they should be, when things aren't going the way we think they should go, it's hard not to respond in fear. But as we see in Peter, it only leads to a downward spiral, that we don't want any part of. When God is doing something expected in your life, I pray that you and I can be more like Jesus. Responding in active submission to God's sovereign authority over our lives. You might be thinking, yeah, that was easy for Jesus. He is God, right? He, he's God, yes, but, that, but that's true, but Jesus was fully man and fully God, right? And before the soldiers even came for him in this garden, Jesus was praying on his face before the Father, begging him to take this cup from his lips, right? The Bible says that his soul was feeling so much sorrow, it was to the point of death. That's how much sorrow. And yet when the father didn't change the plan, Jesus resolved himself to active submission to the father's will. And because of that, the sin of everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus will be forgiven. I tell you all these things about my life not because I got it all figured out. I tell you all these things about my struggle to let you know that you're not alone in the struggle. I told you in the beginning that I relate to Peter. I don't want to relate to Peter. In fact, I want to look at Peter in shame. Like, oh, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you deny Jesus? But the truth is I've denied Jesus more times than three in my past. Whether it be by my actions, my choices. And I tell you that vulnerably because I wanna let you know that there's a difference between Passive submission to the Lord's will, where you're just waiting around for God to do something. 
an active submission where you are going after the thing the Lord is doing in your life. I pray today over you, Mission Church, that you would live in active submission to God's sovereignty over your life. I pray that you would grow in fellowship and friendship with Jesus. That every day we would strive to be more like Jesus in our homes and in our work and in our community. Living a life of active active submission to the Father is, is not a glamorous lifestyle. But that is when the Lord is going to take ground, the Lord's will is going to take ground in your life. So I just want to invite the worship team up as we pray. And I just want to say, if you need prayer, if you are in a moment where Peter is, as we've discussed, where you're reacting out of fear and it's just spiraling, I can tell you right now that you have the choice to stop the spiral right now, to begin to take steps to become actively submissive to God's authority. So if you wanna pray, I'll be up here on the front, front row Come forward and we'll pray together. And some of my leaders be ready to pray for people as well, please. And um, let's go to let's go to prayer now. Father, we we love you, God. Thank you that you're here, Lord. Thank you that your spirit is with us, Father. Thank you. Lord, that sometimes we don't see the details of your plan for our life, God. But faith doesn't require all the details. Faith just requires that first step. So Father, let us respond in faith, Lord. Let us respond in active submission to you, Lord. Let your will for our lives begin to take ground. Lord, those who have, who have or are in the middle of a downward spiral of fear, Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the courage to stand to have faith, to call upon others and say, I'm not okay. Father God, have your way today in our hearts. We submit ourselves before you now.
As the ushers come forward, we're going to pray over our tithes and offering now. God, everything we have is from your hand. Lord, let us live open-handed so that you can take out and put things in as you see fit. Father, so we give to you now what is already yours. Lord, our prayer for this offering would be that you would use it to build our neighborhoods and the nations, Lord, for your kingdom. Send it out, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.